listen to it uh, in the shops if you're out and about shopping at Christmas time. Um, pretty famous. Uh, it was released in 1971 by John Lennon and his wife Yoko Ono. And interestingly, the song was uh, it was a culmination of a worldwide campaign for peace. So. Uh, at the time, during the 1960s, the Vietnam War was raging, um, it had been going for several years, and so Lenin and Ono really wanted to um, protest against the conflict in Vietnam. So one of the most popular forms of protest during the 1960s uh, was, was known as a sit-in. Some of you might be familiar with that term, and so basically protesters would turn up to a location and they would just refuse to leave. They would sit there until you know, authorities had to forcefully take them away. And so Lennon and Ono decided to do something a little bit different. They decided to do a bed-in, where they just refused to get out of bed for two weeks uh, to draw attention to the violence in Vietnam. Now, I don't know about you, but... This seems like a really good way to protest, right? <laughs> I mean, if I was going to choose an option, that would be, it would be in my top three, that's for sure. So anyway, they're um, doing this bed-in for a while, and then after that, in December, they rented billboards in 11 major cities around the world, and they installed these huge posters which said, War is over if you want it. And then they released the song. And so that message was Quite timely in 1971, uh, certainly the world had been weary from war. So since the start of the 20th century, uh, there'd been several major conflicts. World War I, the Russian Civil War, World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. And so historians conservatively estimate that around about 100 million people, probably many, many more, died during just those five conflicts in the first half of the 20th century. And the people who survived experienced unimaginable suffering uh, physically, emotionally, all that sort of stuff, as well as the, the damage to infrastructure and social systems was, was catastrophic. It was terrible. So you can kind of see why John Lennon and Yoko Ono were keen to see war be over. And that, in fact, that's the lyrics that you heard. So happy Christmas for black and for white. For yellow and red ones, let's stop all the fights. And, and that's really what they were seeking. Now, I admire their optimism. You know, they, they wanted to see conflict cease. They wanted to see peace be secured. But despite the billboards and despite a really, really catchy song, it seems like it's not really worked. So since the 1970s, War has definitely not been over. Uh, you think about places like Ethiopia, Sudan, the Congo, Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq. We've seen those in the last 20 years. Currently, uh, the war in Ukraine and then Israel and Palestine. It's just still ongoing and, and really, really heavy. And so in the last 30, 40 years, uh, it's estimated that around about 40 million people have been killed during, uh, in, in, during that time, during those wars. And on top of that, people have been displaced, people uh, have been damaged, lives have been destroyed. It is just, it's just heavy. And you can see why historians have called the last 100 years the century of conflict, the 20th century, the century of conflict. And so 
the sad thing is, the tragic thing is, is that the conflict that we've witnessed in the last 100 years is reflective of most of human history. Uh, the world that we live in over the last 2,000 years has been brutal, it is tough, and terrible, tragic things happen to people. And so 2,000 years ago, the first Christmas unfolded in very turbulent times. So if you're with us last week or if you've listened online, you'll be aware that not only um, uh, not long after Jesus uh, was born into this world, his family had to leave the place of his birth in the middle of the night and go on the run. So if you're familiar with the story, you'll be aware that the, the ruler of the area was a guy called King Herod, and he heard that there was a potential rival who was being born. And so he sent a squad of soldiers to execute all the baby boys in that area. And so Jesus and then Joseph, his earthly father, and Mary, his mother, were forced to flee. And they escaped the danger and they went and lived as refugees in a foreign country for several years in Egypt, according to the record. And eventually that danger passed and they were able to return to their homeland because Herod had died. So that's where we're going to pick up the story. If you've got a Bible, I'd love you to um, turn or swipe there to Matthew chapter, chapter 2. Uh, and we're just going to read a couple of kind of excerpts from the first Christmas story. I'm going to put it up on the screen too. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. <clears throat> but when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. It's kind of one of those, um, I got good news and I got bad news moments for Joseph. So good news, Herod's dead. So he's no longer trying to kill Jesus because he's obviously not around. The bad news is that Herod's son, Archelaus, is now in charge and he is almost as ruthless as his father. So history records that Archelaus kicked off his reign uh, by slaughtering 3,000 people inside the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. So there was uh, some civil unrest happening, some protests. I don't think they were lying around in bed. I think it was a bit more intense than that. And Archelaus is getting nervous. The crowd's getting out of control. So he orders his soldiers to crush the rebels and 3,000 people are killed. That's how he starts his reign. So you can see that Joseph's fears were quite valid. I mean, he's in a dilemma. He's unsure about what to do. But nevertheless, Joseph trusts in God's protection and his provision, and he takes his family to the region of Galilee, where Archelaus had no jurisdiction. He wasn't in charge of that area, and they settle in the village of Nazareth. And I just want you to see that even in those moments, as part of the Christmas story, the world that Jesus was born into was tough. The first century was turbulent, it was troubled, in many ways similar to our own. And so the question is, in such a, a turbulent and troubled world, how do we get peace? Because John Lennon and Yoko Ono thought that installing some billboards and singing some songs would hopefully end war and bring peace. And this is actually what he said in an interview. When we stick posters around saying war is over if you want it, 
We're trying to promote an awareness in people of how much power they have. Everybody's looking for answers. What we're trying to tell them is, you are the answer. Nobody on earth can do it for you. Whatever it is you want, you must do it yourself. But you know, in the, the 50 years since that song, people have tried to bring peace through their own efforts. And I don't think it's got our world any further ahead. I don't think the conflicts can be solved through human willpower or, or self-determination or singing some nice songs or putting up some posters. I think the problems that we face can only be solved by a power bigger than ours. The mess that we've made can only really be cleaned up by someone greater than us. And so in the first century, that's what people were hoping for. 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people were eagerly expecting a Messiah, someone who would close the chapter on conflict, someone who would secure respite for them from the enemy, someone who would usher in a new era of peace and prosperity. In fact, 700 years earlier, it had been prophesied that, that a special child would be born who would bring this peace. He would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. So that's the peace that people were longing for in the first century. And so you can imagine the excitement of the shepherds out in the fields when they hear this message. Again, if you've got a Bible, flick over a, a few pages to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to pick up this other perspective on the Christmas story. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory, glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. And you will recognize him by the sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth is um, it's quite, it's one of those famous Christian phrases. You know, like we see it all the time, we hear it all the time at Christmas. It's in the songs, all that sort of stuff. But if you, if you look at the troubles of our world, it's easy to think that that's just an empty promise. So that's just words on a page, words on a screen, which has little relevance to the everyday lives that we live. But I want to tell you that peace on earth is, is so much more than nice words on a Christmas card. The biblical concept of peace is, is very deep and very rich. So when the Bible speaks of peace, it talks about the end of conflict as well as the reconciliation of both parties. So it's much, much broader and much deeper than, than even our modern sense of peace, which is just simply stopping fighting. Biblical peace is more than enemies stopping fighting. It's about former enemies working together for the mutual benefit of each other. And so this idea is represented in, in the Old Testament of the Bible with the Hebrew word shalom, and in the New Testament it's represented by the Greek word irene. And both of them uh, refer to wholeness and completeness and fullness and working together. And it's just a very rich and very full concept. In fact, uh, I've put um, 
put a little video clip on our church Facebook page. If you want to find out a little bit more, have a bit of a deep dive, you're welcome to check that out. But peace is really about reconciliation and restoration. And that's actually the primary reason that Jesus entered our world. The divine Son of God was the only one who could secure peace with God. And when you think about it, the default setting of the human heart is command and control. We, we're convinced that for us to be happy, we've got to be in charge of our lives. And since the beginning of human history, that desire to be independent has clashed with God's perfect plans. And so not only does our self-centeredness cause conflict with God, but, but it causes conflict with other people. I mean, you don't have to answer this out loud, but how many times have your selfish desires caused hurt for other people? How many times has, has your greed or your ego or your self-absorption brought unnecessary pain and pressure? I can only speak for myself, but I'm telling you, it is way too many times. My selfishness has brought frustration and fights that totally didn't need to happen. There's a, a Christian author, a guy called Tim, Timothy Keller, and he puts it like this. He says, hostilities with God lead to hostilities with others. There is no peace on earth because there is no peace with God. But when Jesus entered our world, he flipped the script on that really tense situation and his birth brought the possibility of peace, peace with God and therefore peace on earth. In fact, the world and the band have just led us in a song which captures this, right? That first song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mild, God and Sinners Reconciled. Jesus is the mediator, he's the intercessor, he's the one who bridges the gap and, and, and reconciles God and his people. So the Apostle Paul, one of the first Christians, explained this a little bit more fully. He put it like this, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This included you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You know, Jesus brought peace and he paid that price with his own blood. He reconciled rebellious people like us with a gracious God. And so if you are willing to lay aside your selfishness, if you're willing to give up control of your life, to admit your failings, to rest in what Jesus has done, then you can be holy and blameless before God. You can experience his promised peace. That's definitely the experience of Mary and Joseph. So they lived in turbulent times and there was so many things that happened outside of their control. I mean, Mary couldn't control the fact that she was chosen by God to carry Jesus. Joseph couldn't control the fact that he was summoned to Bethlehem for the Roman census. Neither of them could stop these dirty shepherds turning up in the delivery room. And Joseph couldn't control the murderous plans of Herod. But in the midst of those stresses and struggles, Joseph and Mary experienced God's peace. 
They followed his divine leading. They trusted his truth. And they saw his protection and his provision. And you can too. In the midst of the strains and the stresses that you are facing, the circumstances that you can't control, God offers you his peace through his son, Jesus. And if you make peace with God through Jesus, then you can make peace with everyone else. This is a picture of Douglas Peterson. Everybody calls him Pete. Back in the 1960s, he was a pilot for the American Air Force in the Vietnam War. And for a pilot to do a tour of duty, they had to fly 100 missions. Well, Pete flew 65 successful missions, and on his 66th mission, when he was heading to bomb a bridge, his plane got shot down. He was able to safely eject, but he smashed into a tree, he broke his leg, he broke his arm, he broke his shoulder, and he dislocated both knees. Then he was found by the Vietnamese army. They stripped him of his clothes, they bound him, they gagged him, they paraded him through a number of villages where he was spat at and beaten by the locals, and then eventually he ended up at the Hau Loi prison, which the American soldiers had nicknamed the Hanoi Hilton. He was imprisoned in a cell which was 10 feet wide, 10 feet deep, 10 feet high. It had three holes in the ceiling for air and a trapdoor on the side for food. It was freezing cold in winter and scorching hot in summer. And so while John Lennon was lying in bed protesting, Pete was a prisoner of war. He was interrogated and tortured and spent months in isolation. His family had no idea if he was still alive or not. After six years of that imprisonment, he was released and he returned back to America and uh, after several businesses, he eventually ended up in, in politics and represented Florida as, uh, in, in the United States Congress. And during his time, during his terms as a politician, he tried to be a bridge builder. He tried to, to work for bilateral agreements across diverse groups. Well, he earned a reputation as just that, as working together for mutual benefit. And in 1997, President Bill Clinton asked Pete to be an American ambassador to an overseas post. Guess where it was? Vietnam the country where he had been imprisoned for six long years. And so despite the mistreatment that he'd endured during that time, Pete had no resentment for the people of Vietnam. In fact, this is what he said, I left my hate at the gate of the prison. God did not save my life for me to be angry. And his Christian faith was his foundation. Knowing that he had peace with God empowered Pete to seek peace with others. And so 24 years after he'd been imprisoned as a prisoner of war, he returned to Vietnam as an ambassador to restore diplomatic ties uh, with the Vietnamese government. 
and he got right into it. He arranged for trade deals which would benefit the Vietnamese economy. He secured foreign investments uh, for social projects. He set up a charity to protect Vietnamese children. He visited hospitals. He went to schools. He traveled the length and breadth of the country, and he met with people from all social and economic backgrounds uh, and ethnic um, uh, groups. And so by the end of his term... An American reporter described Pete as being a walking billboard for reconciliation. Pete was a man who worked for peace. I wonder if that's the type of billboard that you want to be. What would our world be like if we were known for being a walking billboard for peace? I mean, we can sing about it, we can put up posters But to actually do it, to actually bring reconciliation, to actually work for peace, that's pretty awesome. So friends, I just want to invite you to do two things this Christmas. If you haven't already, to make peace with God, to lay aside the sense that you control your life. I mean, there is so much that we can't control anyway. And admit your mistakes, confess your sin, and trust God for his plans and his purposes. And if you've done that, think about how you can bring his peace to others. In that first Christmas, Jesus brought God's peace to us, and we are called to share that with others. In fact, during his teaching, Jesus said that God blesses those who work for peace, for they'll be called the children of God. So, how can you work for peace this Christmas? I mean, you could become a politician. You could strengthen diplomatic ties uh, with nations. You could secure trade arrangements or source funding or establish a charity. I mean, you could do that. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But maybe you should start a little bit smaller. Maybe you might just have to have that conversation with a prickly workmate. Or be patient with your in-laws on Christmas Day dinner. Or bake a cake for your neighbours. Or have coffee with a friend who's had a really, really tough year. In those small, small ways, you are sowing seeds for peace. And that will reflect the goodness and the generosity of God that Jesus has brought to our world. We're just going to take a moment to celebrate the way that Jesus does bring peace. And um, we're going to share communion. So it's very simple. It's It's a representational meal, some bread and some juice which Christians have been doing for 2,000 years, and and it shows us the way that Jesus has reconciled us back to God. It's how he opened the way for us to experience God's perfect peace. So in a minute, I'm just going to invite you to uh, come to the tables at the front or the table at the back, and um, take some bread, take some juice, and then return to your seats and just quietly connect with God. And so maybe you might want to make peace with him, just humbly confess some stuff and acknowledge what Jesus has done for you. Or maybe you want to ask him to, to show the ways that you can share his peace with others this Christmas. I'll let you decide, but let me just pray first. God, at this Christmas we remember that you sent your son Jesus into the world. Into a turbulent and troubled place, he brings peace. And so in the midst of this mess, this world that we live in, we just pray we would see that peace that Jesus offers and that we would uh, have that peace with you and with each other. I pray that um, for the heavy stuff that some of us are carrying this Christmas, those stresses, those strains, those challenges, 
in the midst of that, that we would just experience your peace, that we would seek reconciliation, we would work for peace, and we would see your peace on earth 